Wow, 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 and hi, hi, hi. Welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Miguel Garcia, and I am happy to be with you for another episode. I have to tell you guys something. I know I've been inconsistent. You know I've been inconsistent. And there's a part of me that wants to beat myself up over that. There's a part of me that says, Kevin, you should really step your, your shit up and be like, you know, the professional you know you can be. But to be honest, I just haven't, for whatever reason, haven't had it in me. I haven't been ready. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm trying to see if it's some sort of block in my brain or in my spirit or my creative flow. Like, I don't know why, but I just haven't had it in me to put it in, put in the work. And sometimes it's enough for me to just take care of my health and try to get enough sleep because that's been a problem for me. Like... So I really, it's not that I hate doing this or putting it together, but it is, uh, it's energy and I'm tired a lot recently. So I've been trying to do my best to take care of myself so I can be there for my clients and also be there for myself. So I am totally one of those people who are practicing what they preach. So if you ain't got it in you, you need to take some time and figure out where to get it from so that you can give it back to the world. So if I can take grace for myself, so can you. Okay? Okay. So this week, I am a whole week late on my friend Ben Grace's newest album release. I'm so excited to introduce him to you. I've been wanting to get him on the show for a while, but you know, life's crazy and we haven't been able to do anything for a while with anybody. <laughs> so Ben Grace, let me tell you about him. He and I actually met at the beer tent at the Wild Goose Festival a couple years ago. And I swear to God he was hitting on me, but he's definitely a straight man, you know, as it goes. Born and raised in the inner city suburb of Sydney, Ben's exodus from the beliefs and structures of his working class Christian childhood weaves poignantly, weaves poignantly, that's a great word, but I cannot pronounce it, weaves poignantly through his lyrics revealing itself to his deep commitment to justice and willingness to call forward the darker themes in American politics. With the lens of an outsider and the bold voice of a witness, Ben writes to challenge and disrupt our comfort with the status quo. Songs like Mama and Eye for an Eye take on the realities of systematic racism while holding space for collective mourning. In 2019, the single Preacher Shadow confronts the silencing of patriarchal religious culture through the artfully captured memory of one woman's intercepted words. He's got a ton of amazing music. He is such a fun person to talk to. And we dive into the deep end of like theological bullshit, at least, you know, the stuff that I absolutely love. So go ahead and grab yourself something to drink and make yourself cozy. And let's get into this conversation with my good Judy, Ben Grace. First of all, I'm such a fan of your face and your music and your voice and just you in general. So I'm just glad to be with you today. If we were at a party somewhere in the future where there's vaccines and like it's safe to like be around other humans. Um, and they said, oh, my gosh, you look so interesting. What do you do? What's your thing? What would you tell them? I would tell them I tell stories and I... Uh, discomfort, comfort people, and I comfort, discomfort, pe- discomforted people. That's a lot. Of, that's a early. lot of words. There's a lot. There's a lot of words. It's very poetic. It's not a yet. Oh my gosh, he's so mysterious and interesting. <laughs> that's the goal. 
you know, you got to project something. Uh, I've been an Anchor M3 after all. I don't want to give it all away. I don't want to be just like, I'm just a common whore. I'm just a musician. Nah, let me tell. I want to tell everybody I'm a common whore. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm also very lonely these days, so that probably has something to do with it. <laughs> you know, uh, what a what a weird world we're in, huh? I know. The world is. Um, I can't tell if this is the cocoon or if this is the evolution. I'm hoping it's mm. a cocoon. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I guess just a cocoon is definitely still a step in certain evolutions. Anyway, so I know, like that. Yeah, I like, I like that thought. You know what I learned about cocoons and butterflies? Hmm. Uh, I learned this off Karen, my partner. She told me that when uh, a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and breaks down molecularly, like they completely turn to goo, right? There's nothing. I knew this. Nothing left. Yes, I think you were the one who told me this. Actually. Did I tell you this? This is yeah. So- keep going though. Yeah. So they basically completely break down into into goo, and then. Out of the goo, the butterfly is born and they come out into the light. And scientists have tested the butterflies uh, who, uh, well, before that, they, they exposed caterpillars to, to light and to, you know, annoying things to kind of basically see what their, their reaction would be. And then they tested the butterflies afterwards and they actually remembered those things. Like, that is so wild to me. The fact that something completely breaks down, completely falls apart, dies completely, but still has this memory. Like, that's so fascinating. And if, if this is a cocoon, then obviously there's things that we need to remember, right? When we come out of this, there's things that we need to, to, to take with us. But we also have, you know, this opportunity to be something new and different, more beautiful. So, yeah. Mm, let me I, tell you what. I've been having a lot. <laughs> like, I've been talking to a lot of people recently. And butterflies are apparently a symbol for me right now mm. i don't know it's like they keep showing up or like coming up in conversation um i think there's something to that and also there like there are certain things like you know we need to when i think about like at least the structure of american society right now it's mm. like no we really do need to like liquefy everything we really do need to break down these systems and then completely reform it into a new creature Yes. You know, and if I'm trying to get on my baptism metaphor, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what needs to happen. There needs to be kind of like this shedding of the old, this like reordering of the way it's always been. Yep. So that we can actually fly the fuck out of this place. It's so fascinating, though, that how much, you know, like this this nation is a self-confessed Christian nation, right? So the, the tradition that has yeah. shaped us is exactly what you said, is, is centered around this idea of, you know, baptism and death and resurrection and all this kind of stuff. And it's so amazing how we resist the death. Like, it's mm. so incredible how we kick and we scream and we say, no, 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 no. Like, that, you know, it really, to me, that kind of betrays the fact that we haven't trusted that story all the way. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we trust the, the the American Christian story, which is the one which is God is going to bless you and only wants good for you and doesn't want to harm you. Well, that's that's not the story of Jesus. <laughs> like, not, not that not that God harmed Jesus, but like God did not allow you know Jesus to not pass through the darkest and the deepest parts right into the death. And so it's it's fascinating to me just how we don't trust that and how we go so kicking, how we resist our death. Mm-hmm. Um, when when on the I, other I, side of it is is glory, you know. Yeah, and I think it's because I've been thinking a lot about the belief in hell mm. and how much the belief in hell truly um, is the is in in my opinion possibly the greatest manipulative tool ever 
Amen. Because that belief in hell, like that's the thing that kept me in the closet for so long. Yep. I think it's what keeps a lot of conservatives conservative because yep. when we really boil it down to my eternal soul and the mm-hmm. soul of the nation, yeah. <laughs> their eternal soul is like apparently tied up with the soul of the nation, um, which like I guess technically, you know, for all one soul, maybe, but you know what I'm getting at. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it is wild to me that if we if i could i feel like if i could change people's minds about that one thing so many other things could be fixed because just like you're a you're afraid of of a vengeful god you know you know the 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 right i don't want to say the right tm but like you know conservative politicians are like really playing on that fear of like listen if you don't do this god is gonna remove his blessing from y'all yep most of the time y'all don't even realize it's like God done already did that when you voted for Donald Trump. Oh. <laughs> Not that God plays favorites, but oh. that's right. Oh, so, so this is what's interesting. So tell um, for people who don't know, like your work, you've been a musician and you've been a worship leader before. And mm-hmm. um, just get, give give some humans the background on like where you've been, what you've been doing and also what you're doing now, because we definitely want to talk about uh, this new musical venture that's coming out in a couple mm. weeks. Yeah yeah next friday so it's a week away which is amazing mm. um yeah so i grew up in australia obviously because the accent um i was 10 years old when i first uh, started classical piano lessons i did classical piano wow. for, for 10 years um, that's incredible i didn't know that yeah that's what i did i, I tickled those ivories and played the rachmaninoffs and the double c's and um mm. the romantic era is my favorite because feelings of uh, course um, and Bach can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. How dare you? I, love, I mean, okay, let me say this. Bach is fun to sing. Bach is not fun to play on the piano. No. No, no. Bach is hell on the piano. That is literally like, that's not a musician's piece. That's a mathematician's piece. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that you know, when you get into the higher grades, Bach does turn into something incredibly beautiful. But it's just, it is that technicality that I think was just, it, it felt like, you know, in the classical tradition, they're not necessarily trying to build musicians, they're trying to build technicians, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so they, they basically put up a bunch of uh, hoops that you have to jump through, and, that, and Bach was one of those hoops that you just had to, like, in, in the particular training I did, you had to do a piece with every single piece, so you had to do Bach to kind of get around it. And so it's just And it's so hard for me to memorize because, like, I have more Spanish in my brain than anything. So, like, mm. German sounds different enough where I can just memorize it for some reason. But, like, French is a little weird for me. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because it's sort of adjacent. Yeah. Maybe not now. Maybe at the yeah. time I just told myself that I hated French and then it became a burden. I wonder yeah. if I could have... If only we had mindfulness training in, in music school. <laughs> Imagine that, huh? You know, not th- feeling the pressure of like having to like be the best all the time or else. Oh, dude, that, that, that's that's so real. I remember um, I became a music teacher sort of partly on a necessity and partly because I was tired. I worked in finance for a while and that was such a joke. Uh, I, I'm sure you can't imagine me in finance at all, but... Uh, I, became... I can imagine you in a suit and tie and also like looking, <laughs> taking one look at you and being like, 
<laughs> he hates it here. <laughs> yeah. He absolutely hates everything. Yeah, this is the, my version of being closeted was being in finance. Mm. Um, so I became a music teacher. My dad was a teacher. So it was the thing I always said I didn't want to be was a teacher. Mm. Uh, and yet I kind of felt like this was my period of, of seven years where I labored for the for the wrong woman, as the biblical story goes, mm-hmm. where I got yeah, Leah. Yeah. But at the same time, it really set me up uh, for the next phase of my life. Now, when I moved to New York and, and started church and became a worship leader, but that's, that's a whole different story. But I want to go back and what you just said really sparked this story to me about mindfulness mm-hmm. and music. I had this one student, Andrew, who just was the sweetest soul. He's a really, uh, really intelligent kid. Uh, definitely kind of uh, on the on the nerd spectrum in terms of just loved sci-fi and loved all of, all of the things um, sciencey. So me is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yes. laughs> uh, and he he was really really passionate about music, but he was a horrible technician. Like he had bad mm. technique. He didn't. Right. He couldn't read the music. He just. But he just loved it. Like he lived it. And I think he's actually gone on in his adulthood, has gone on to make music, which, you know, which is one of those things that I think that the, the establishment would say, that guy's not a musician. And mm-hmm. yet he was because they're, they're counting a different metric. So right. you know, one day as he was, this one piece he was struggling over. And and what we'd done was like, I, you know, as you go through as a teacher, you're like breaking down the sections and here's the bits you need to work on. And so you're always trying to obviously get people in their homework practice to, to work on the things they're not good on. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one day, you know, I'm looking at the page and it's coming up to that section and I've circled it with yellow highlighter and I've got like this red stars. And and as he's approaching it, his body was completely stiff. His, his feet are pushed up off the ground. He's like going like through his nose, like his whole body is basically in a, in a panic attack as right. he approached what perceived on the page as this giant impasse. Wow. And that okay. day I was just like, stop, stop. I, I did you wrong. I'm so sorry. And I'm going to rip out this page of this book. And I'm going to re- I, I'm, and take off all these markings. I'm going to re-photo- you know, photocopy it again mm-hmm. and say, don't focus on that bit you're not good at. Like focus on the joy beyond that. There's other bits of this, of this piece that you're really good at and just relax mm. and work your way through it. And, we, and we, did, we did some practice for mindfulness where we just, we just like allowed him to kind of wow. just settle his body and calm. And I was like, isn't that so true of life, right? Like, you know, and particularly yeah. in theology, we focus on the shit you're not good at. Like you focus on the sin in your life and somehow mm. that needs to be eradicated. And it never works. Like, you know, like- never. You know, I mean, for for you, the idea of just of not being yourself, not being queer, that, that just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Just that story is just it never works. Uh, instead yeah. of em- embracing the wholeness of yourself and the beauty and the complexity and, and all those things, and mm-hmm. and focusing on the good, you know. Yes. And I think like music school, like if I was taught like how like. Like I was just one of those kids who was naturally good at, at music, and I could read just enough to get into to college. Yep. Um, for music, but the the truth was like no one ever taught me how to really practice, mm. and also no one ha- taught me how to practice joyfully or how to change my mind about something. Because oh. like, I can sit in a practice room now, you know, if I had a piano in a practice house, practice house, practice yep. room. <laughs> if I had those things, I, you know, I I think like. I would be able to go into it much more joyfully because like, like my favorite thing now is like, if I, I have a, I live near my seminary and sometimes I'll sneak onto campus and not sneak. It's not like it's a locked campus. Um, <laughs> Cause I have access to it. 
but I'll go to campus and I'll go in the chapel and I'll just like play around on this baby grand and I'll like sight read music as just for to see what I can do to see what I can still remember mm. and that to me has brought back so much joyful expression to music but in a lot of times in music school both um you know with there's always exceptions across the board where there's like amazing programs that like holistically you know get people through the program but like trying to get a a music ed teacher through a music ed program in four years with what they asked a typical student to do is uh shamefully over too much it's too much (laughs) yeah for any normal human and i was a high performing human um but like um something you said in that story um brought up a story from my the time when i cried in front of my voice teacher Mm. (laughs) um where i just couldn't do something but it wasn't that i couldn't do something is that i didn't want to be a teacher anymore Mm. and i didn't want to be i like it was so i was burnt out and my teacher just said, Kevin, who told you that you had to do this? Ugh. Who told you that you had to be a Ugh. music teacher? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I have to do. It's like, who said? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I think you need to take a beat and realize, like, this is just a piece of music. Do you realize you're crying over a piece of music? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is not okay. It was, it was like, click, click, click. I'm just like, I think I'm taking everything too seriously. What would happen if I stopped and i just like tried to have a little more fun and that to me was like the crack in my armor of like trying to be perfect but it was my teacher who taught me that before everything take a deep breath yeah before the phrase before you do it like take a breath prepare and then create sound Ugh. and so like that's the thing with everything like take a deep breath prepare and then go into whatever it is but if you go in with no breath, like you're not going to make it to the end of the phrase. Yep, that's right. Mm. It, 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 that's so good. And it applies to so much in life. Like yes. it's, just, it's so just fill yourself first and then, you know, and then give out and then fill yourself and then give out. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it, it's it's this back and forth. It is just that simple breath, the spirit in us that, kind of, yes. that, that, that comes and goes in waves, you know, it's not just a straight line or <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not just, it's not just ever onwards, ever upwards, you know, um, there's this kind of, yeah, it's ever wider, ever deeper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's so huge. I, um, what's, what's interesting to me is, uh, as you kind of said, who, you know, who told you this is, you know, what you ne- what you need to do is I've been so fascinated with questions, um, mm. And not like right this very second, just fascinating questions my entire life. And and the minute you said that made me think of the story in Genesis where, you know, the Adam and Eve have, have eaten from the fruit and they're all of a sudden feeling naked and afraid and they hide themselves and they're hiding in the garden. And then the text so beautifully says that the divine is walking, you know, through the garden. And I can't remember yeah. this at the evening, but it was just, just walking through the garden and looking for adam and eve and then when they find them the divine says who told you you were naked yeah like just this simple like the simplicity of a teacher who actually asks you the question Mm -hmm. that that you can that you're asking yourself somewhere you know that that deep panic of just like i don't want to do this but i've still sake my life on it and if i don't do this what else am i going to do it's like but who told you what's the story where does it come from mm-hmm. you know like this is the therapeutic practice you know in you know being embodied it's like where do you come from where does that idea come from what are you holding on to that doesn't serve you you know like mm-hmm. it's just so fascinating i don't think we 
um, in this current climate politically and just in society, we're not giving people the generosity of asking the question. Right. You know, and I think that's the, the most mm -hmm. fundamentally human and beautiful thing we can do for someone else is just to ask them and to get, provide them space mm -hmm. to find their own answers. Because often, you know, the question you ask them, you might have a preconceived idea of what the answer is. And often I, I'm fine if you, if you right, ask the right question, the answer is just as surprising to you or to them. Mm-hmm. Mm, you've just damn. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming to church today. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday. No, that's really it. And I think it comes to like, it's like not giving people the freedom to answer the questions because like even the people in power don't think that they're allowed to question, you know? Yes. And also like, it's like, it makes sense. Why would they question this? This is working for them. You know, yep. and the brain is wired to lead us towards pleasure and away from pain. And so if they perceive a loss of power as painful, mm. then of course they're going to fight it tooth and nail. And also the longer an idea has been couched in our subconscious, the harder it is to remove it and the harder it is to, re to, to like, try and introduce a new idea. Like the amygdala yep. kicks in, the subconscious gets into it and just like, that's why, I mean, this is why I think... Um, when I think about like long-term lasting transformation, mm. I'm wondering how much of it is going to be a byproduct of, um, and this is going to sound harsh, maybe a, literally an older generation dying off mm. and a younger generation finally taking up space because, Ugh. um, and I, and that, that seems really bleak and I, I'm not saying that people are incapable of change. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the trend lines. You know, yeah. that's and, not a new idea at all. You know, mm. I mean, that's the story of Exodus in the text, you know, is a generation who didn't believe who had, you know, who, who died off in the wilderness because they couldn't move forward in the story, you know, mm. and, and I, you know, whether or not people think that's a, a real story there, I think there is something there yeah. to, to, to that. Um, many years ago, I saw David Bazan, I actually produced a show where David Bazan, um, he came out to Brooklyn for our, for our church there and, and played a show, which is one of the highlights, I think, of my ministry, <laughs> having, mm. you know, a staunch atheist come and, and, and play and, and represent our church was fantastic. That sounds like a party. Yeah, it was a total party. And this was, this is pre, was this pre-Trump? I feel like it was. I'm just trying to, maybe it wasn't. I can't remember. But anyway, he, he actually at the end of his show, he got on a kick about this. Like the night was so good. And then right towards the end, he got on a kick about, man, there's just a generation that needs to die out. And he was, you know, he wasn't actually, he was unequivocal about it. He was just like, this is just the truth of the matter. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was amazing how the, the room shifted and how some people found that very challenging to hear. Mm -hmm. But it, as you were talking about this and you're saying this at the start, I was like, isn't this just what tradition is though? Mm. It is just us holding on to an answer that we thought we've found from a previous time and saying yeah. that is the only answer to this solution, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm not saying we should say fuck tradition and get rid of all of it. Right. Because I think sometimes the answers are in looking back and really digging into our traditions and figuring out why were those answers there in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think this idea of just clinging onto the form of something because tradition is basically just the how, right? Right. But, but to get to the why of tradition will enable us to, I think, be 
traditional in a sense of just like moving into a, an uncertain future that we don't know mm-hmm. and responding accordingly with the whys of the past yeah. um, that actually you know resonate with the future. Yeah. Ooh, getting the whys of the past which resonate with the future. Come on. <laughs> yes. Something one of my old pastors used to say um, back when I was um, in Pentecostal land mm. is he, we would talk about like, it was we were very big on teaching church culture like how do we operate in this church mm. and i didn't realize that that was like a subtle like social programming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like of just like if you want to be a part of the club you got to do x y and z and i was very good with playing along to the rules because like again like um you know being uh charismatic and being clocked as a male mm. um and also that's how I identified at the time it was, you know, being a man, it's a pretty easy to, especially if you're a good musician, like, you mm-hmm. know, in a church that like wants musicians and like is growing, like we had an inordinate amount of amazing musicians in our church for how, you know, we were only maybe 200 to 150. Um, anyways, but one thing he said, um, we were talking about church culture and he said, we're a house of new and old treasures. And it's just like, so like what is for a time and a season? Oh my God, why would I not silence that? I'm disgusted with myself. What kind of podcaster am I? Okay, sorry about that. Um, so you say we're housing new old treasures. So he would talk about that like in terms of like worship music. The reason like we want to stay on the cutting, he would say, stay on the cutting edge of worship. I'm like, that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> Uh, we wanted to like realize that like, you know, certain, you know, things or traditions or like, you know, things that we mark in our church calendar might be for a time in a season. And sometimes it might be forever. And this is also like the way that they would talk about scripture, like th- certain mm. things are for a time in a season and thir- certain things are timeless. And I asked the question, like, well, who gets to decide? The Holy Spirit gets to decide. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, she gets to decide. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So, but, like, how do you talk? Like, where did, you, did you get the telegram from her? Did she send you a letter? Yeah. Did, you send, did she send a group email? Did I miss that? <laughs> Can I get on the Holy Spirit's email list to find She's out? She's definitely what is- on Slack, Kevin. She's definitely on Slack. Oh <laughs> the Holy Spirit is on Slack is the name of this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? The Holy Spirit is just like, why are you bothering me? <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not want you, that email chain to be broken into multiple pieces. The Holy Spirit is about bringing all of your email chains together. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, so that, that's the thing um, with like arguing with tradition is like, um, I mean, Jesus did it. Like, that's the thing that Jesus did it in real time all the time. Mm. Every single story was Jesus arguing with his tradition about the mm. way they were practicing or arguing with the government about the way they were treating people. Yep. Like that is literally Jesus's whole fucking ministry. <laughs> and so it's like, cause like I'm, I'm constantly drawn back to the story of Jesus healing the woman on the Sabbath who had been uh, mm-hmm. oppressed by a demon for 18 years or whatever. Um, she was bent over, Jesus healed her. And they said, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. And he said, like, you guys would lead your ass to water, like like the donkey. But like, yeah. I feel like in that tone, like, listen, you would take your ass down to the water on the Sabbath, but you wouldn't heal your auntie over here. Yeah. I'm just like, that's fucked up, man. Yeah. And that's literally all Jesus was about. Just like, look at yourself. And 
to me, it's like we have to, like when I look at tradition, that's the question I'm asking. I'm just like, what is it doing? What yes. is it really doing? And not just what is it doing here in this community, but what beliefs is it inspiring? And it, though, from those beliefs, what actions are being taken? Because that's really, I think the mind is the only place where transformation can truly take place. Um, mm. Because if you change the mind, you change the action. And once you change the action, you change the world. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so, I love that. I'm I'm so here to argue with everyone. <laughs> I, I mean, but also that's my mo, isn't it? I just yep. love a feisty moment. I don't fight with everyone though; just people with who are, with whom I think I can have some fun. <laughs> is that bad? No, it's not bad at all. I mean, this is the thing. I think tradition needs to be broken down with a certain level of of humor as well. You know, mm -hmm. I think if we just fight fire with fire, you know, and we're just trying to, you know, this was some of the mistakes I think I made early in my life and. You know, earlier is, is it a kid sort of standing up against an oppressive conservative religious tradition was I was just trying to like say that we, you know, need to add some drums. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't a very compelling argument. You know, it wasn't a, an argument about transformation, about what the thing is doing. You know, and I think that's what I've learned over the last 20 years is, is just kind of like is just being able to like step up and kind of play with people a little bit and then go, well, why? But but why? No, but. What, why? <laughs> you know, and be that annoying kid. <laughs> they can't give a good answer. And that to me, I mean, it, Jesus said, if you don't become like these kids, mm -hmm. you ain't going to get into the kingdom. And my God, I will ask why until I'm blue in the face, until I can get an answer that yep. makes sense to my inner child who was traumatized. That's right. And also to my present self, which has the logic to see through your bullshit. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's huge. I've, I've been working through that stuff in therapy a lot about, mm. the, about the, the young child who... Listen, we love a, therap a, a therapist, man. We really do. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things, I think, that you sort of take the childhood trauma and you take that through to your adulthood. Uh, and mm -hmm. unless you learn to reparent yourself and to mother that, that child who, you know, will lead you into panic attacks and lead you into all sorts of weird places, mm -hmm. then, then you sort of just doing the same thing even if it looks different on the surface mm -hmm. you're still just going round the roundabout you know endlessly you know so. yeah it's that carl Jung quote of until you make the unconscious conscious it will rule you and it you will call it fate oh god let me tell you when i heard that quote i shit my pants yeah that's so good that's really like, really good like, how dare you carl I thought yeah. we were cool. <laughs> I thought we were cool. I mean, yeah. like I have, like you know, I get that I have like a, a the hero. Was it like the thousand faced hero? Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? I have it on Audible. I haven't started it because I realized it was fifteen hours long. I was like, wow. <laughs> Not that I don't have time, because right. obviously, but it's just like it feels yeah. like a dedication. I'm like, yeah, that's more time than I've spent in a committed relationship. To be honest, that's not true. <laughs> Uh, that's not true. Okay, let's shift gears just a little bit because I do want to talk about uh, your newest project mm -hmm. and what it is, what's about g getting the people hype. Um, you, you're releasing a new album. That's and right. it's going to be delicious and delightful. What is it? What's she like? Tell me about it. Well, she's called As If Words Could Heal the Wounds. So that's mm -hmm. all the things we're talking about. Uh, it is a project. This is my absolute... You know, I'm 41 years old uh, in in a week's time when this album gets released. Oh, and this on, is on your birthday. On my birthday, yep. 
the, the story behind that is because I played my first show under my own name as sort of an Americana artist in 2016 uh, on my birthday. An Australian Americana artist. If I That's right. That. That's right. An Australian mixing up Americana since 2011 is my is my little subtitle. Mm. Um, and and so it was just one of these things where I'm just like, oh, this is something I've been, is, you know, I think for me trying to find my voice was the struggle for so many years and been in so many demands and been the side person and, and been the person that did it in committees and, and groups. And then to just step out and just say, I am Ben Grace, like this is who I am. So mm. it's it's been a while getting here. And so this is my first full length, like solo, like debut album, which I'm really, really pumped about. Yeah. And, and uh, it's been a process because I've been recording it over two years and I've been, because there's no rules in the, in the music industry anymore, I've been releasing them as singles as I go, mm-hmm. but there's a handful of songs that I've kept back so that kind of they're new when they, when they come yes. out. So you better tease the audience and then pull them in for the real event. That's right. And it was funny because I, I was wondering myself, you know, I've been sitting with this, this project a while and, and out there promoting it for a while. And, and I was wondering, you know, would, would the album feel fresh to me? And it was amazing the day that I sat down and, you know, sequenced all the tracks in order and put them there's a hole and listened to it. And I was just, I was honestly incredibly emotional, like just crying my way mm. through it because I'm like, yeah. this is like the, a lot of these songs, they've all been little babies, but together they tell this entire story of, of me and where I've been for the first 40 years of my life and the struggle that's been. And every single track has its wound that's sort of underlying that it's kind of tending to and, and, and kind of and, and healing. And, and it felt powerful to me to have it all together. You know, there's, there's songs from right across the spectrum. There's songs um, supporting Black Lives Matter and talking about police brutality and talking about gun mm. violence. And there's songs that are directly going straight into uh, purity culture and talking about the shame that produces in us. And there's songs about, uh, you know, conservative theology and about making people small and sending people to hell and, and about then learning how to to take that to an expansive theology and there's songs about shame and about anxiety and so there's there's a lot you know it's a very very ambitious project yeah um, you're covering you're covering your recovery and that's in right sense. absolutely and it's sort of funny because when i started you know this project two years ago i was still in new york and still in ministry and still married and and still mm-hmm. really unconscious about a lot of the shit in my life and so it is really i i think the thing that i I, I kind of want to say to people in this record is like, keep stepping forward because y- you've got yourself before you even know you've got yourself. Yes. You know? Yes. And and there's so many of these songs that I'm just like, I don't know how I wrote that. Because when I wrote that, I was not on the other side of that stuff. And I, and I was still, you know, mm. really compared to where I'm at now, where I was at when I wrote that, when I recorded that, I wasn't there. And and, and yet it's amazing how sort of, I think in our beings, in, in, mm-hmm. our, in, in our kind of unconscious knowing, we are very prophetic. And so we just need to yes. keep moving forward because then yes. we catch up to the self that is that is that is beckoning us forward. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very beautiful. Um, that's been my experience anyway. Yes. But what you're talking about, there's this wonderful concept from Course in Miracles. Um, uh, talks about how Jesus as our brother is literally with God already and is like already mm-hmm. one with, you know, one with the father as like he said, but then also <laughs> understands just like that Jesus as our brother comes to walk the road beside us to mm-hmm. show us where we're going. And so when I think when you said just like, you know, that self, I think capital S self yes. that's beckoning us forward, like the true self, the one that is connected to love, connected to God. 
connected to joy and like purpose and like actually enjoying your life mm. like it's the one that's that's the one that's beckoning you forward and you're so scared to go because like you've been told there's weeping and gnashing of teeth out there wow. but let me tell you what you're already weeping and gnashing your teeth here so it can't be much worse out there baby you know what i'm saying oh, oh <laughs> and sister. in fact it's better it's one of those things where like i love i'm excited to for people to hear this because you're going to give voice to so many people. And I believe that music is magic healing. Mm-hmm. Like it is a, and it sound, are you telling me sound can heal the soul? That's fucking <laughs> magic. That's right. And I'm excited. Oh my God. Yep. You've got so like, your heart is also so full. Like I, like as you talk about these things, I can hear just like you're, you're not, you've not only been thinking about yourself, but like, it's almost just like, you know, your, you know, your spirit was pulling you forward into your own healing. I mean, and like not like my favorite thing is when I do things and I'm just like, I don't know how the fuck I did that on my own. Yep. Great thing. I didn't do it on my own. <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating because as you were saying that all of a sudden I just got this image of Jesus as Sherpa, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're watching right now that the world's toughest race, which is uh, Amazon's version of kind of survive across, across the greatest maze cross. Um, oh, I have to watch this. It, it's, it's brutal. It's so brutal. And, uh, and, and it's in Fiji and so for 66 teams and it's four pe- person, people, a team. 66 teams. Yeah. And, Whoa. Uh, and so, which is funny because in, you know, in reality television, we're only used to, you know, 12. a handful of, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but they don't obviously don't pro- profile all those people. And I think they gradually, as they go through the episodes, you start to introduce yourself to another team and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. but the, they got to this one episode um, yesterday where you are allowed, there's certain things you're allowed to do in the race, even though it is an extreme race and it's an adventure race, you are allowed to like hire locals to help you become Sherpas. And I think that's so beautiful. You've got these gorgeous Fijian people who are so generous and so hospitable and the joy they take in, you know, taking a Spanish team through their mm-hmm. jungle. And, and I'm just realizing, oh, wow, I just haven't, I haven't had that experience up close personal of a Sherpa who's mm. just so keen, you know, and, and oftentimes I think I cringe sometimes at, you know, when we talk about Everest and look at like you know, every white person wants to climb Everest mm-hmm. and right, right, the, right. the privilege that is and, and kind of the price that sometimes the locals pay, you know, for, for that exposure, you know, our, our wanting to climb Everest. But at the same time, I think this image of, you know, the helper, the one that comes alongside, the one who kind of, mm-hmm. you know, is in step with you. And, and, and I think, what you just said the joyful witness of, of all of it um, yeah this this really reminds me of something that happened years ago uh this was probably six months before i left australia and i was living next door to my my in-laws in this cul-de-sac suburb of sydney <laughs> uh in literally the day we arrived and we're loading our things in the neighbor on the other side of the house so on one side i was was, was my in-laws so that was kind of like um everybody loves raymond and we're living with an older uh, 78 year old i think she was sri lankan woman so that was kind of like meet the kumars and then we actually had some friends move in with us so it was like friends it was like every little sitcom we had going (laughs) in this in this little house but on the other side this when we pulled in the other um woman said to us welcome to pleasantville and i was like oh god oh Oh, god But uh, so, you know, we live in this suburban dream and it was in this really kind of strange part. It was only, I think, about 
eight kilometers, which, you know, about 10, 11 miles north of where I was working. But because it was in this cul-de-sac suburb, it just took forever. It took 40 minutes to get to work. It was crazy because uh, right. the traffic in Sydney is so mad. And so one day I'm sitting in this, this particular set of traffic lights where, you know, you just know that three cars are getting through. So it's just one of those things where you just have to like, <laughs> you mm. know, tell yourself this and go through all of your tools and your spiritual discipline to try to stay yeah, sane. It's like, I was like, I need to like, you know, pray the rosary, talk to God, do my <laughs> so confession. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then uh, maybe I'll be okay by the end of this. Exactly. And so I'm sitting at that particular, you know, intersection and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you just said it back to me. And I'm just a little disconnected. I'm sort of off with the fairies and I'm looking out and, and it just was this incredible thing that happened that felt like such a parable. I was, uh, the, the major intersection is right ahead. And then just to the kind of the right of it, just back from the intersection is this little street that goes around. And so I watched this woman walk into the road and she's clearly, she's talking on the phone and she's caught up with something. She's very animated. She looks, mm -hmm. you know, like really involved with this conversation. And then about six to 10 feet behind her comes this child. And this child has something in its, in its hands. And, and uh, it's clearly following the person in front and the, the child reaches the middle of the road. And by this stage, the, the, what I can only assume for me, assuming on the story, the parent has reached the other curb and then the child drops what's in its hands. And to me, it looked like jigsaw pieces oh, and, gosh. and it drops the, the things in hand and you can just see the head go up and, and the yell, the, the scream towards the, the parent. Ooh. And the parent then whirls around, obviously in shock because not paying attention, forgot the child was, was, is there, mm -hmm. comes screaming back over to, to the child and could see in, in, in the parent's body anger and frustration, vent, like fuming, like, mm -hmm. you know, so hurriedly pull, picks some of the pieces up and then grabs by the arm and pulls, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the child over to the, uh, over to the curb. Mm. And I had this moment seeing traffic where I'm just like, I just witnessed a parable of what the divine isn't. Like the divine is not screaming ahead at its own pace, just doing its own thing, demanding that we keep up and then angrily turning around and when, mm -hmm. we, when we make a mistake and, and screaming at us that we're fuck ups and, mm -hmm. and we're messed up. Like that is not... That is not the divine. That's that's the divine picture that we have told, though, for a long, yes. long time. It is this is this 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 authoritarian? Not even parent. Like we say, God is Father, but I feel like that's gaslighting. This is on one hundred percent. You know, this is a this is an authority figure that is demanding of you work, and mm. you know, this, this is a this is a slave and slave hold a slaveholder and slave relationship. This is a king mm. and subject relationship. Yes. Um, and, and so for me, I was just like, no. And, and in that moment, I just was like, here in this traffic and in all my frustration, this layer just melted away from me. It's like, no, no, because the, the real parent w wouldn't have been that far ahead to, to begin with. It would have been hand in hand. And then when the, when the kid drops the jigsaws, when we make the mistake, the, the real parent, the, the kind parent picks you up and laughs and like, you know, mm -hmm. dusts off your knees or kisses them and says, you're okay, don't do it again. And has delight with you, you know, mm -hmm. in trying to figure out your shit. And um, that's that's what, what came to me, kind of what you said, what you said. I was just like, yeah, that's the story that's been around for a while for me, trying to re, you know, retell the story that we've been telling. Yeah. It's like that, that one worship song, Good, Good Father, always <laughs> gets me because it's like, 
I actually believe that. And so, like, for me, like, hearing that song, I don't get a lot of friends get triggered around, like, calling Godfather and, like, worship mm. music in general. I think, honestly, like, I kind of, being a worship leader, that was always my modality for connecting with spirit, even mm. after I left certain places. Like, I would be in the middle of church singing, You Make Me Brave. Mm. But, like, I was hearing God calling me out of the closet. And for me, I was saying, You Make Me mm-hmm. Brave to go, you know, where my trust is without borders. (laughs) But like legitimately like that, for as a queer person to sing that song, it means something completely different. Right. So for for me, like when I hear songs like Good Good Father, that to me is a powerful message because my dad was not the greatest dad in the world. My dad, you know, was not around a whole lot. My dad, when he was around, was kind of, was pretty harsh, um, didn't connect with me and you know, then he died. Whoops. Mm. So it's one Sorry. of those things where like when I think about a father, I'm like, I'm not actually thinking about my own father. Like I have to think about like, it, it, for me, it's a comfort. It is. Mm. A, it's a really, really powerful comfort to think of God in those terms. But like to, to really say like, no, no, no. Like I know what a father is not supposed to be. I've experienced that my whole life. It's mm. like, it's, but it's like what you said, just like the divine is not angry at me for anything (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know god god is not mad like you know slow to anger abounding in compassion yeah that's right and also like when i hear when i hear those words i'm just like i want to say that to myself slow to anger abounding in compassion yeah and that can be true for so many of us and i think that's like you know i think that's really the way we can heal ourselves is like if you realize that you are slow to anger and abounding in compassion that you have had all these attributes that you wish that like you wish you were confident, you wish you felt more connected. You already have it. You just yep. don't. You just don't remember. Yep. So now you got to you got to remember. That's what we're doing. It's funny because I think that the um, that list of the attributes of the divine first appears in Exodus thirty four six and seven. Look at me. Oh, mm, come on, I, I Bible think, I, I think that's where it is. <laughs> Uh, that's where it first appears, you know, and it's obviously in, the, in this narrative um, around the giving of the, the law and the commandments. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's there's one phrase on the end of that that is in that original text that says, mm. "And by no means will forgive the guilty to the third and the fourth generation." <laughs> right? And you're just like, <laughs> record scratch. Like, what? What? How did you follow that list up? How did we get from like? You know, slow to anger and oh compassionate. My gosh. And Listen, this is how the U.S. government has been doing us. Like, we're just like we are slow to anger and abounding in compassion, and we're gonna fucking kill you if you don't go home. And your children's children's children unto the third and fourth generation, bitch. Oh my god! But the thing that makes me a progressive is the text as it goes through. I think there's one other mention of it, and I, I right now I'm not you know coming up with that exact like scripture and verse in the Old Testament that that backs a little bit off. The, mm-hmm. the third and the fourth generation. And then by the time you get to the New Testament, that phrase doesn't even make it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's what I, that's like, that's amazing to me. It's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. this this was the truth all along. We just added in the vengeance part and, and the thing about, you know, generational trauma, yeah. you know, because of our own, you know, desire to kind of see that vengeance and our mm-hmm. own des- desire to kind of see someone pay uh, but they, th- that's so in conflict with the rest of that list that it can't possibly be the same thing. Yeah. And really what's interesting too, like what I loved about my degree, it taught me like how we got 
the Bible as we know it today and also like anthropologically and historically, how did the Jewish faith and how did what we call the Old Testament come into being? Mm. And to learn that the many, like, you know, the Pentateuch was made up of like four or five different accounts later stitched together together yeah. during First Temple Judaism. It's like, oh, they had different ways of thinking about God. So like there's one person who says, I'm slow to anger and abounding in compassion. And also I'm not going to forgive you. But those are like, mm-hmm. it's like I, I don't have, I need to go find my, my all my <laughs> theology books are still in boxes because I moved and I'm moving again <laughs> soon. So I haven't unpacked them. But that's really what's so interesting is like to realize that everybody's uh, belief and understanding of the divine has been evolving since we could even like come up with the idea that maybe we weren't alone in the universe. Yeah, that's right. So yep. it's like, why, why do we want to say the same? <laughs> why don't we just want to ex genes? <laughs> because we just got to take the Bible on face value, Kevin. It's it's really yeah. simple and clear. Like it's, <laughs> it's so abundantly clear about all the things. Like when I'm on my period, you bet your ass I'm seven miles outside of town. <laughs> I'm gonna wash myself in the River Ganges and then I'll come home for Sunday service just in time for communion. Because <laughs> uh, you have to do weekly communion, otherwise. <laughs> oh my gosh! I will say, like I'm, I grew up not. I love doing Eucharist every week and that Mm -hmm. might be a little bit of like my flair for my liturgical side Mm -hmm. but I really do love communion and just the act it's just oof it's to me such a powerful uh, sacrament and Mm. ceremony and I cry every time I take communion without exception I'm not even lying to you that sounds so stupid maybe Mm -hmm. but like to me, it's like Jesus said this was for me, and so much of my life, people said that it wasn't, and it wasn't true. And mm. I'm just so grateful because I'm like, ah, I believed a lie, and now I don't. That's pretty great. It is. It, I mean, it's such a powerful thing, such a powerful symbol too. I mean, what I think is really intriguing is like I grew up in a conservative church, which I think a lot of conservative kind of religions are very disembodied. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we were very like anti-catholic in the church i grew oh, yeah, up in catholic, the mary loving catholics were not yeah. going to heaven yeah no no the smells and bells as we used to kind of like you know kind of say like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and 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 also this idea of no graven images so like in the church I grew up in, there was no crosses there was no anything it was it was mm. just you know it was very devoid of that thing uh, but to me because but we did grow up with communion though we grew up with eucharist and and as i kind of matured in my kind of understanding of of kind of all the, the different liturgical elements and um, all the different traditions that kind of see it in such a different way. What kept compelling me was about this idea of something that is incredibly physical at the very like heart yeah. of the thing. Like, it's just like this idea of just like, just remember you're human and your brother Jesus was human, walked among mm-hmm. us, touched our stuff, like got up up and close and personal with with our our shit and our dirt and wasn't afraid of it and and, and yet i think that we're you know we're telling the story of like well we got to be holy because god's holy but then we take communion i'm like communion reminds me that like jesus is not afraid of my stuff mm-hmm. you know and and, it's that, also and like my stuff is like, beautiful you know, where is the holy where do yeah. we think the holy is because last time i checked in the bible there was a, a curtain <laughs> that was torn yeah i was told growing up that that was like a couple different things it was like it's to separate like you know the holy of holies was now everywhere and i'm like (laughs) if that's true 
then it has to be true all the time. Yes. And also, like, the other thing I was thinking, like, I think this was, um, oh, who is that famous Peter Rollins, that mm. famous atheist that we all love. <laughs> but he talks about how, like, when the curtain is torn, he's just like, it was really like everyone saw that there was nothing there. Yeah, that's right. And it was just like, it's just like, so we've been afraid and, you know, doing our lives for something that wasn't there. Why did we yep. put, it's, it's like, I look at that and I'm like, again, like, you know, who knows if it actually happened, but the symbolism is like the point. Yep. Um, because I look at that story and I'm so taken by this idea that like, oh, most of the time when we are afraid of something, like hell or ourselves or our bodies or our desires. We, we just pull mm. the curtain back and we realize that we were afraid of nothing the whole time. Nothing, just we nothing. We were afraid of the thought of being separated from God. We were afraid of the thought of a God who doesn't forgive to the third and fourth generation, yep. but in reality is compassion. Yeah. It's and, so interesting. And fear is the biggest lie. And that's what is fascinating to me about. I, mean, I didn't grow up with a supernatural devil, which I'm kind of glad uh, oh, that I didn't. You lucky duck. But at the same time, like y'all who, who did, like you, you were taught the devil was a liar. And, and like, to me, fear is the biggest liar of mm-hmm. all because you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, and that story is not just a story just in the biblical text. That story is Dorothy, you know, like gets mm-hmm. there and you go, but the man behind the curtain is like, just you know, a man just a man like no power at all just a real you know bumbling kind of you know like just another single- bumbling white dude fucking things <laughs> up and like making you do a whole bunch of shit to perform for the kingdom to make sure that you're worthy in order to get onto the worship team but turns out he's having an affair with his pool boy at a swingers club I mean my goodness my god Jerry Falwell Jr. we wish you well uh, it's, it's oh my gosh that story I just, just, I just like i it's so I'm not, good I, I don't kink shame anybody or like no, you know, i'm all not. about like open and non-monogamy and good stuff yeah. and being consensual but the, the, this shit i'm just like <laughs> girl how long did you think that you could keep that up right right like you are you are it's not like you are jerry who runs the ice cream shop down the street and leads a double, <laughs> double life yeah. i've met him yeah. no you are you're Jerry motherfucking Falwell Jr. And <laughs> wow, you're one bad apple, dude. I hope that's how we and refer to him from I now on. I pray for your soul. I pray for your family. I pray for everyone you traumatized. Uh, oh, it's so good. I'm sure you've seen the memes with, you know, that the Psalm 23 is like, you know, he, he leaves me beside still pool waters. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. <laughs> oh, listen. I'm so glad that Jerry has had some rod and some staff comforting him. You know. I bet you, like, he's very big into the, um, what is it? Folly is bound up in the hearts of children, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. I wonder if he's in, I'm not saying he's into baby play, but if he is. Just saying, I've got a verse for that, too. Oh, my gosh. It's always hand, a verse what is it, just, uh, Song of Solomon is just like, my beloved uh, knocked upon the door, and my, uh, my hand was upon the bolt. My hands dripped with liquid myrrh. My hands upon the bolt, and my hands were full of liquid myrrh. Come on. Isn't, and then right uh, after that, she goes away, and then he comes back, she comes back in the room, and he's gone. And she's like, listen, y'all tell him if I found him that I have a broken heart. I'm like, yo. Desire just, is like, a fickle thing. He came, he got what he wanted, and he left. I'm like, how many of mm. us have felt that, ladies? Ladies, hands up. You know uh-huh. you've been there. Ugh. 
Um, I just love how incredibly nuanced the Bible is. Like the stories are just, they're so real. Like there's that other horrific story of, uh, I think it's Tamar, David's uh, Mm -hmm. daughter, who who ends up being raped by her half brother. And it's it's so specific and it's exactly like relevant to our lives now when sometimes we just, we project onto something you know, this this is what we need. This is what we want. This is going to like make me whole. And we make ourselves sick with this desire. And then we get a taste for it. And we're like, oh, and we discard it as if it's worthless. Like mm-hmm. just like, that's a real fucking story. Or like whether that, that like ha- I'm not saying it happened in real life. I'm saying it happens every single day. You know, yeah. desire is human. Yeah. That's the thing is like people, my mama always said, she's like, listen, she's, she said this when I was real young and it stuck with me. It's just like, she said, stories ain't never changed. It's just the characters did. Because, mm. like, same story, different empire. Yep. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Jesus wept. Listen, that's the mic drop moment. Um, I know that you probably have to get on with your day, and I know I have to get ready for my next stuff. Um, so, please, tell humans where they can find your work and where they can get the album and how they can follow you on social media and shit. Yep, I'm at Ben Grace Music everywhere on all the socials. Um, I do have favorites. I like Instagram. It's lovely. I, I prefer to watch other people's Instagram than do my own, but still, I love it. Um, mm. I also think Twitter is amazing. and I feel like I'm more of an activist on Twitter. I don't, do you have this thing where you have different personalities on different social platforms? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, well, mm, yes and no. I think I'm more, I talk more on Twitter about like, just like I can mm. be like more stupid on Twitter. Yes. And like be a little bit more of a stoner in public on Twitter. Um, and then on Instagram, it's more like spiritual insidey things, but also like mm. with a touch of it's like more theology with a touch of sarcasm. And then Facebook yeah. is. Oh, I fucking hate face. I don't hate Facebook. <laughs> I actually find a lot of my, I mean, like, here's the deal. Like a lot of my clients find me through Facebook. Right. So I can't. Yeah. I'm completely hate on that tool because it is a tool of the empire in some ways in capitalism. And at the yep. same time, while I exist within the capitalist hellscape, I will use everything in my advantage to get people to freedom. Anyways, yep. I, I, totally do have get. I also like definitely like curate my family out of like they're, they're like people who are like I'm restricted on my on my stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't want to deal with you. Not that I yes. don't care that you see it or not. But that I'm not about to have a Facebook spat with you. But none of my family really does that. Most of my brothers are super chill. My mom doesn't use the internet a whole lot. So in that way, a little bit blessed. Yeah, that's nice. That is, uh, Facebook definitely is the place for like just strife and conflict. <laughs> it's miserable. Um, but yeah, no, I feel you on all those. I'm, I'm the same. I it, I get a lot of work through Facebook, and so every time I feel like I want to quit, I'm just like reminding myself. Well, you know, this has been an amazing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you can find me at Ben Grace Music on all those things. Uh, the record comes out Friday, September 4. Um, that'll be everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Tidal, the, the whole lot. SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Um, everywhere you find music, it'll be there. Um, I think there's the pre-ad and pre-order for iTunes comes out today. So people can pre-order it and they'll get mm. it, the first song for free. and It'll come up there. And if you also save me on spotify i put up a special link so people can you know, hear the first track off the record as well 
um yeah that's that's kind of all the things i'm i'm super excited about it i hope people listen to it i hope they kind of put the songs in the playlists i hope they tell their friends and and kind of engage around you know because i think a lot of like i said at the start of this about the themes there's a lot of themes in this record i don't think this is mm. just to like listen to it and bop up and down and have fun i think there's a lot to engage and a lot to to talk about uh, with people and i hope that it does spark some debate and conversation yeah. And you know what? If you don't listen to this um, album, you um, hate um, love and you hate um, progress and you are going to go to hell. So stream Ben Grace's music everywhere. Bye. Pass the, pass the plate. Pass the plate. <laughs> conversation with my boyfriend i mean and friend <laughs> just kidding i did that on purpose because i thought it was funny that was my conversation with my friend ben grace the album is called if words could heal the wounds and you can download it and stream it all over the place the artist is ben grace ben thank you for coming on the show and getting into some really thick and delicious waters because that was fun that was a lot of fun for me and you guys know i love talking about shit like this so that was fun Anyways, um, go follow Ben. Ben's all over the internet at Ben Grace Music. And that's it. Let's roll some credits, y'all. Did you know that this show has been sustained by 120, around 120 people solid? But right now we got 124 people who are supporting me on Patreon. And what's Patreon? Patreon is the platform that helps you support the creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if you have been enjoying uh, a tiny revolution, either you're a new listener or you're just coming in hot off the off the ground uh welcome we're glad you're here uh we got a lot of cool stuff going on over there perks um every single monday i post a really cool video where i'm just talking about reflecting on life and sometimes leading some meditations it's the best part of my week and i hope that you'll join me there for the monday morning miracle club we've also got a monthly workshop that is happening and this monthly workshop is actually coming up this saturday um and if you want to Use the offer code um, Insta5. It's the code for Instagram, but it's fine. Use the code Insta5 and you can get $5 off registration. That's um, for the Big Queer Bible Study, um, where we're going to get in there, tackle all six verses, tackle some conversation strategies, talk about how do I stand strong in my own theological belief and yet and I'm able to use the Bible um, as a tool and a friend and not as a weapon to be used against anyone. So if that's something that you're interested in, if that's something that you need right now, um, let me know. And if for some reason you don't have uh, the money, um, please let me know. Um, reach out and we will. I'll just give you, I'll get you in there. If you need this and you want this, just let me know. I'll get you in there. Um, okay, okay. I think that's everything. But anyways, Patreon is a really great way to get that. And the workshop is part of the perks. So if you become a sustaining partner at $25, you get the workshop, which is usually a $39 ticket for just $25 a month. Hmm. Plus all the other perks. Hmm. Plus like mugs and stickers and cool shit like that. Hmm. My friend, what are you waiting for? If you like the show, if you think conversations like these are important, then I think that you need to go on over to Patreon and uh, throw a bone or two my way because literally $5 or more a month really does help. $1 a month actually doesn't do shit, to be honest, because of the way that they tax it. I'd probably see maybe like 34 cents of that. 
Anyways, I love you so much. I hope you're doing well. I hope that you are learning to love yourself well. But anyways, go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. Learn about the perks. I forgot to say that before launching into my closing monologue, <laughs> the things I do. Uh, but can I tell y'all something that's giving me hope right now? Is that even in the face of so much wild shit, people are still showing up for one another. Um, please, if you have not already, go register to vote right now. Please start talking to your parents about uh, what they are going to be doing uh, this season in the election. Please um, get an absentee ballot. Please vote early where you can. Um, man, what else do I need to say? Take care of yourself. Take naps. Take them often. Um, and yeah, as per usual, take your meds. Call your person. Move your body in a way that feels good. Eat something delicious. Drink some water. And make sure that you look at yourself in the mirror every single day and tell yourself that you love yourself because that's the only way we're going to survive this shit. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin, and I'm out. See you next week. Bye. Bye.